Chapter 20, Part 1 of The Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Kennedy. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. Chapter 20, National Negro Business League, Part 1. After advising carefully with some of the most successful colored men throughout the country, it was deemed by us that there ought to be in the United States some organization that would bring together annually the most substantial and successful colored men and women who are engaged in business and industrial enterprises. For the purpose of consultation and receiving inspiration and encouragement from each other, as well as for the purpose of arranging for the organization of local business leagues that would cooperate with the national organization. Accordingly, the first meeting was called to meet in Boston in August 1900. The meeting was in session three days. The following is a copy of the call sent out for the meeting. After careful consideration, and consultation with prominent colored people throughout the country, it has been decided to organize what will be known as the National Negro Business League. The need of an organization that will bring the colored people who are engaged in business together for consultation and to secure information and inspiration from each other has long been felt. Out of this national organization, it is expected will grow local business leagues that will tend to improve the Negro as a business factor. Boston has been selected as the place of meeting because of its historic importance, its cool summer climate, and general favorable condition. It is felt that the rest, recreation and new ideas which businessmen and women will secure from a trip to Boston will more than repay them for the time and money spent. The date of the meeting will be Thursday and Friday, August 23rd and 24th, because it is felt that this is the season when business can be left with least loss. Then, too, nearly all the steamship lines and railroads have reduced their rates to Boston to one fare for the round trip for the entire summer. Every individual engaged in business will be entitled to membership, but as far as possible, the colored people in all the cities and towns of the country should take steps at once to organize local business leagues where no such organizations already exist, and should see that these organizations send one or more delegates to represent them. It is very important that every line of business that any Negro man or woman is engaged in be represented. This meeting will present a great opportunity for us to show the world what progress we have made in business lines since our freedom. This organization is not in opposition to any other now in existence, but is expected to do a distinct work that no other organization now in existence can do as well. Another circular given further information as to program and other details of the meeting will be issued in a few weeks. All persons, whether men or women, interested in the movement are invited to correspond with Yours very truthfully, Booker T. Washington Tuskegee, Alabama, 
June 15, 1900. The number and character of the men and women who responded to this call was a surprise and a source of gratification to everyone. Representatives came from two-thirds of the states in the Union, the greater proportion coming from the South. Many of them had been in slavery during a large portion of their lives and had started in a most humble way, and in most cases in poverty, and had struggled up through the greatest disadvantages to the point where they could be classed in the world of commerce. They represented many of the commercial enterprises in which white men are engaged. There were among them bankers, real estate dealers, grocers, dry goods merchants, caterers, manufacturers, contractors, druggists, undertakers, bakers, restaurant keepers, barbers, printers, plumbers, milliners, dressmakers, jewelers, publishers, and farmers. Perhaps the most gratifying feature in connection with the first session of the League was the entire absence of anything even bordering on bickering, greed for office, and point of order. In fact, during the whole meeting there was not a single point of order raised. The men and women composing the organization came together with an earnest purpose, that of doing something, something that would permanently benefit themselves and the race, and they would not permit anything to turn them aside from this purpose. While the League did not by any means underestimate the outrages inflicted upon the race, it was firmly of our opinion that one way to eventually end these outrages would be to help make the Negro such a potent factor in the commercial and industrial enterprises of the community in which he lives that he would demand respect and confidence by reason of his usefulness. It is not the object of the League to, in any way, place mere national success above the high religious character and thorough mental culture, but to make commercial success a means to the promotion of these ends. The choice of the officers of the League resulted in the following being elected. Booker T. Washington, President, Tuskegee, Alabama. Giles B. Jackson, Vice President, Richmond, Virginia. Mrs. Alberta Moore Smith, Vice President, Chicago, Illinois. Gilbert C. Harris, Treasurer, Boston, Massachusetts. Edward E. Cooper, Secretary, Washington, D.C. A. E. Johnson, Compiler, Raleigh, North Carolina. Executive Committee, T. Thomas Fortune, New York. Chairman, T. W. Jones, Chicago, Illinois. Isaiah T. Montgomery, Mound Bayou, Mississippi. Booker T. Washington, Tuskegee, Alabama. E. E. Cooper, Washington, D.C. George E. Jones, Little Rock, Arkansas. W. R. Pettiford, Birmingham, Alabama. Gilbert C. Harris, Boston, Massachusetts. Louis F. Baldwin, Boston, Massachusetts. Another very encouraging phase of the Boston meeting was the surprising number of highly successful men and women who appeared from different parts of the country and who before had not been heard from. Many expressed the idea that the Business League had been long wanted and had in its power to do a work which no other organization could perform. 
the following editorials from various influential newspapers will give some of the value that was placed upon the Business League meeting. From the Outlook, New York City. The convention of the National Negro Business League held in Boston last week brought together upwards of a hundred delegates, representing over 20 different states. The members of the convention made an excellent impression upon the representatives of the Boston press, both by their appearance and the intellectual quality of their speeches. The League was organized upon the initiative of Booker T. Washington, and his common-sense philosophy permeated most of the addresses. Had these been made at a gathering of white leaders, they might justly be condemned as materialistic. Indeed, one of them glorifying the almighty dollar as the new king that has been born should be so condemned. But, in the main, the emphasis put upon the acquiring of property sprang from the desire to lift up the manhood of the Negro race. For, there is a moral difference between the advocacy of money-getting to secure independence and advocacy of money-getting to secure power. Economic independence is today as much needed for the further advancement of the Negro race as was emancipation from slavery for the advance which the present generation has witnessed. Even so, uncompromising an opponent of materialism as Mr. William Lloyd Garrison, Jr., recognized this and emphasized it in his address to the convention. The particular word I wish to leave with you, he said, is this. Aim to be your own employers as speedily as possible. If you are farmers, do not rest until you control the land from which you gain your living. If you are mechanics or traders, seek first to gain a home without a mortgage, foregoing many desirable things until you are free from debt. Independence and debt cannot long keep company. But in the South, as in the North, possession of honestly earned property will surely bring respect and increase personal security. Among the Negro speakers were several men who have been remarkably successful. Among others, a slave of Jefferson Davis, who is now mayor of his little town in Mississippi. The speeches of some of these men telling of early struggles were full of encouragement to Negroes everywhere. The fact that some Negroes have succeeded in business as well as the fact that some have succeeded in literature and art forces all men to distinguish between Negroes and Negroes and open the door of opportunity to all Negroes who aspire. From Buffalo Express the recent meeting of the National Negro Business League in Boston brought to public notice a new line of endeavor advocated by the leading Negroes of the country for the betterment of their race's commercial and social position. The call for the formation of the League was issued by President Booker T. Washington of the Tuskegee Institute, and that it was heartily responded to by Negro businessmen in all parts of the country was shown by the assembling of delegates from no less than 25 states. The key to the discussion during this interesting conference is to be found in the address of Professor Booker T. Washington, who said in part, 
I have faith in the timeliness of this organization. As I have noted the conditions of our people in nearly every part of our country, I have always been encouraged by the fact that almost without exception, whether in the North or South, wherever I have seen a black man who was succeeding in business, who was a taxpayer, and who possessed intelligence and high character, that individual was treated with highest respect by the members of the white race. In proportion as we can multiply those examples north and south, will our problem be solved. Let every man strive to become the most useful and indispensable man in his community. A useless, idle class is a menace and a danger. We must not in any part of our country become discouraged, notwithstanding the way often seems dark and desolate. We must maintain faith in ourselves and in our country. This opens the line of work, the possibilities of which are most promising. The development of industrial life among the Negroes in the South by schools is essential to the growth of one element and is remedying the evil of idleness. The new plan goes farther and aids in developing the business instincts of the race, establishing Negroes in mercantile pursuits and in other ways making them important factors in the commercial circles of the country. Already there are many examples of the progress of the Negro in this direction. In Chicago is a large cooperative store, where groceries and meats are sold, while Philadelphia and Richmond each have a large department store conducted by Negroes. Nearly 200 Negroes in Chicago alone are engaged in various lines of business. Still another example is found in the Corporation of New Jersey of an investment and supply company in which the corporators are Negroes. This company is authorized to furnish supplies to families, establish stores, deal in real estate without limit, and engage generally in commercial pursuits. It is stated in the papers that the company will carry on a portion of its business in the cities of New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, Chicago, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Wilmington, Delaware, and Richmond and Norfolk, Virginia, as well as in other places. The capitalization of this company is $75,000. From Springfield Republican the organization of the National Negro Business League by the Great Convention at Boston last week was one of the most important steps yet taken in the lifting of the Negro race to that equality proclaimed implicitly by the Declaration of Independence and explicitly by the constitutional amendments which followed the war. Between one and two hundred delegates were present. The South that made the Civil War for Negro slavery was well represented. New England, New York, Pennsylvania were now the ruling factors in this Congress of Men opening a new stage in the progress of the race. They came as Americans, and who has a better right than the Negro to that title? A few days ago, a Southern white said that the Negroes had no country, no birthright. 
not reflecting that he has been given a country by arbitrament of war and that his birthright in a majority of cases was quite as clearly traceable to white ancestry as his traducers own but the negro race has been compelled to a solidarity which is rare in mixed races the man or woman so white that no one could guess from his hair or complexion the stain of black blood perforce casts in his lot with the blackest afro-american and be it acknowledged that he does it proudly for the warmest advocates of the negro race feeling are these very persons they rightly feel that the african descent is the more honorable the convention was one of such dignity and such seriousness such clear-headed consideration of the situation views being taken in broader horizon than those of the nigger haters as to win respect on all sides and it will not be strange indeed it is to be expected that the effect all over the country will be of the most valuable sort it is scarcely possible to underrate or condemn a class of people who have so evinced their equality in what the white man especially prides himself on the faculty of concentrated effort the power of organization this has been attained by the negro under the most adverse conditions as we know even when he has been favored he has been scantily helped he has helped himself and his small advantages he has made the most of proving that he has self-same spirit and purpose that has made america and is just as much an american and as entitled to the blessings and honors of life as a descendant of the english puritan or the french huguenots the hollanders the irish the scandinavian and the german and when we reflect upon the motley crowd from southern europe that have entered our country of late years the comparison becomes absurd the most interesting address was that of a i hillier a graduate of the university of minnesota a prominent citizen of the national capital who has compiled and published three editions of a directory of the colored businessmen and women in washington and founded and was first president of the union league so described mr hillier was appointed by the united states commission to make up the figures of the negro exhibit at the paris exposition and thus he spoke with knowledge by the census of eighteen ninety it appears that twenty-five years after emancipation the race had a representative in every business listed in the census schedules the numbers engaged and the capital invested in many branches were not imposing but the beginning had been made the census showed twenty thousand and twenty persons of negro descent in business there were agents and collectors auctioners bankers and brokers one hundred and fourteen druggists dairymen dry goods dealers grocers hotel keepers liquor dealers undertakers officials of banks and insurance companies journalists and publishers builders and contractors photographers market men printers blacksmiths watch and clockmakers 
and of course barbers outside of the business list over twenty thousand are to be numbered over seventeen hundred barbers next to these in numbers caterers hotel and restaurant men mr hillier noted a stove foundry in tennessee a cotton mill in north carolina a carriage factory in ohio and several brick-making plants with large capital he mentioned four banks one in birmingham alabama one in washington d c and one in richmond virginia nor is it true that the business patronage of these and other institutions is confined to the negro giles b jackson of richmond who spoke concerning the negroes as real estate owners in that region said that when the city of richmond was unable because of its poverty to keep its white schools open it applied to all of the white banks for money in vain then an appeal was made to the colored bank how much do you want was asked the reply was fifty thousand dollars you can have a hundred thousand said the cashier and this was the sum loaned mr jackson also said that one-twentieth of the real estate in virginia is owned by the colored people the doings of the convention have been fair measured by the dispatches we have published they show an undaunted spirit in the face of all discouragements and a ready hopefulness in their achievements it was a great project to form this league and its principal pusher if not its originator was mr washington of tuskegee the great statesman of the negro race and not the less great because he is working without the help of the state and directly for his people not however solely for them for mr washington knows as all thoughtful men ought to see that the white races are on their trial in this matter they have to determine whether barbarism or civilization shall rule much for the future of the united states depends upon the wise counsel of booker t washington who is elevating his race and also elevating the human family itself he has fitly chosen the first president of the national negro business league end of chapter 20 part 1